Welcome to Gospel Well Podcast. We're in episode seven as we head right into the Christmas season. And here's the music. And today's topic is... We are going to talk about the gospel impacting intergenerational ministry and relationship. And I think for the three of us, we are all in our 50s. So we're sort of right in that mid-range between not being so old that we're facing some of the real life and sometimes death issues that some who are in their 80s or 70s are considering as well as we're not so young or so old that we aren't parenting young children, except for one of us. Sorry, Fuji. That's me, Asher and Ezra. <laughs> but all three of us have done college ministry. We've worked with high school students, teenagers. Um, I'm sure at some time or another, we have uh, interacted and uh, had uh, some sort of ministry to children. So I thought what we could discuss today is what does it mean to have a church that is intergenerational and how does the gospel impact that? How does it actually cause us perhaps to have a different perspective on how to have relationship very specifically with people of different generations that it doesn't just have to be uh, the people who are my friends, who are uh, the people I fellowship with, are people who are literally in my life stage or who ha are the exact same age, but rather that there's actually so much to glean from, from someone who has lived even a couple of decades more, or perhaps even a couple of decades less. And so I'd love to hear your perspective on this, and we'll, we'll just sort of bounce this off one another. Uh, Joe, you mind kicking us off? So my question, I guess, for you is, you know, you've, before coming to Wellspring, you worked with uh, junior hires and high schoolers, right? Yep. And now that you've been here for a little bit, you're working still with some high schoolers, but you, you're interacting with people now of different ages. And you know, what has that been like for you? What, what, what is the difference? What are some things that you've learned from working with really young people versus but working and not just working, but ministering, caring, loving, showing compassion, um, relating to people who are your age, older, younger. What is that like? It's a challenge, but at least from my experience here at Wellspring, and particularly witnessing and watching the older community, it's funny, I think I'm. I guess on the entrance level, part of that older community. But um, did you get a AARP invitation yet? I did. See, then you are on the entrance yes, level. Yes, I am. You know, now I can live in fifty-five in an older. Community. You can get a discount. Yes, yes, and uh, in T-Mobile, there's a if you're yes, fifty-five and it's over. The senior, yeah. are yeah. you? Have you already applied for it? I was thinking about it. You, you need, but to. I can't believe like now I can get those discounts. Yeah, back to you, Joe. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, you know, watching them, speaking with them, 
interacting with them has been a tremendous blessing. And that's only from minimal interaction. Not to say the other communities of different ages haven't positively encouraged me or impacted me, but um, yeah, it has been, to speak very generally, it's been an encouragement to see them and in their passion for the Lord, their zeal, their confidence, the peace that they have. You know, I think when we're younger, most of our troubles are in the mind, or we just kind of project problems, not actually living them out. Um, but challenges increase, certainly as your body becomes more frail, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so that's been a deep blessing for me, and, and I can speak for my wife as well. Um, when I look at uh, my interaction with the people younger, it's just been refreshing. And, and there's so many more, just to pick one way in which it, it's been encouraging. Um, they, they remind me of, you know, faithfulness and joy in the Lord is not bound to one age group. And to see them following the Lord uh, has been encouraging. Um, and especially some, gosh, some of the youth, seriously, some of the youth listening to them pray, uh, having little bits of conversation here and there. Uh, I'm like, man, that was not me. That was not me. So um, that's been a wonderful blessing. But I'll, I'll stop there before I hog up the mic. Fuji. You know some of those folks who are older saints in our church and who are walking different types of journeys, some of them with some severe challenges, you know, physically. And with that comes temptations, I would imagine, spiritually. So what are your thoughts? Like, how do you, how do you view them and what do you learn as you watch and communicate and listen to their stories? Well, I'm actually encouraged, as Joe shared, of their confidence in the gospel of resurrection hope. Really thankful for that. One of the things I've learned over the years or heard is you need to see people ahead of you say, you can be confident in the gospel at that age too. You need to see that. And I see that. They're, uh, they're comforted by the gospel. They are bold because of the gospel, even though they can be bitter, they can lose confidence, they can be easily discouraged, they, they may be, but then the gospel encourages them again and helps them to grow through it. So I'm so thankful for that. I think the church needs that breadth, the spectrum of people so that it's not so, um, we don't have the emotional intelligence or the spiritual intelligence that, you know, when we face difficulties, as our bodies surely will make us experience difficulties, that that's when you're like, okay, I'm out of here. I think one thing that uh, probably people at least our age are thinking about more are our aging parents and what it looks like to care as an adult caring for parents who are really living 
their latter years of life. And I want to ask both of you this question because I think it's one that a lot of people have, which is how do you as a son or a daughter of aging parents honor your parents in caring for them without necessarily at the same time honor them so much that you feel that there's an, that indebtedness actually might sort of cause you to center your life around them. And I, I don't want, I think idolatry is too strong of a word, but there can be a guilt that comes with being an adult of an older, aging, debilitating parent. And how do you love your parent, care for them, while still recognizing that you can't serve them at their beck and call? Well, most of us can't. Some do, but some of us live far away from our parents. Um, how, do you do, how do you deal with the processing of that? I think a lot of people have this question who are around our age. Joe, I want to throw that to you first. It hits right at the heart. You know, coming out here, one, maybe the, the final, if not greatest obstacle was, can I leave my parents? And you know, my dad just turned 84 and my mom just turned 82. And they're relatively healthy, but, you know, at that age, I'm not, not to be crude, but what does that mean? You know, anything can happen at any time. And there still is, is something I still need to work out and wrestle with some guilt, I confess, um, because I, of the three for various reasons, I, two, two brothers of the three uh, children, I was the one who took them to the hospital and, and sat in the waiting room for hours while they got a procedure done, et cetera, et cetera. Um, in my particular situation and, you know, how it applies to people with, where the factors vary and my parents are, they walk with the Lord. And my, when I, as I was talking about coming out here, my dad, I could see it. My dad, he's just ready to be with the Lord. He's not wanting it to end soon. He's, he doesn't really think about it. I, I you, to speak generally. And so I think, I, that was a personal moment to see how weighty the gospel is in my own life. Um, resurrection, new life, eternal life, being with the Lord. You know, these are cliches, but when I looked at him and I think of him, so that, that helped to take a lot of the guilt away, knowing that, yeah. I'm on the opposite side of the country, but it, yeah, and it, it could go bad. You know, I could get a phone call and then, you know, things could get worse for his health. But I know his eyes are fixed on Christ and that that challenging chapter, if it were to come, would just be temporary and his faith would be you know, there to get him through it. So I, I think um, 
yeah, I, there is some guilt. I think some of that is looking in the past where I'm trying to relive it, make up for it. Um, but, and even, even if there was a little bit of guilt cast for my parents, which I'm not saying there was any, I think it, that's an opportunity for me to, to, to say, well, how can I honor him? It's by trusting in the Lord's presence in his own life and in mine. I think my thoughts would be very similar coming out here, making that decision. Not that my parents were in Philly. Uh, they're in Korea right now, but they want to come back to Philly and stay there. And they were assuming that I would be there. But I think it's because of their gospel hope that's ultimately not determinative. And thankfully, that also sets me free from having to bend the middle child wanting approval syndrome. You know, I'm going to give up on Wellspring and, and that call, and I'm just going to stay in Philly. Turning that back to Wellspring, what's going to help people through that season of life? How do we as pastors in our 50s, how are we as a church healthily serving, ministering to the older generation? Yes, we can possibly be there and provide rights, even as some have done already, be present possibly by the hospital side, bedside. But more than that, it's the gospel hope. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, it, I think both of you expressed well this idea that how does one as a, a parent, and I think for Joe and I, we're experiencing this right now, the, the concept of empty nesting, which is a whole nother phase, right, of uh, life and the challenge of letting go. I don't think that is, not that it's not possible, but it's not possible to do it really well where you can love and be so thankful for your children, but also recognize that they do have a life that God has for them that is perhaps sometimes on a different path than my own. And I don't know if you are able to process that well without the gospel of Christ. At least it, I think of the gospel as being the pinnacle by which we can process such things. That's why all three of us, our parents, we, they do not live near us. And I'm the oldest child out of um, my family. And, you know, there is, I mean, within an Asian context, being the oldest son is often thought of as, oh, you have to take care of your parents. And when you are not there, and I'm clearly not there, I haven't, haven't been with them in a long time, there can be a sense of guilt that is just fueling you know, that feeling of, oh, I'm not doing my duty. I don't think it would be possible for either me or them to overcome that without Christ. It, it just is too strong. Like it's a very powerful emotion, but it's their ability to look at something that is beyond this world. And it is uh, my hope to see that the person who I know that I have to honor first is the Lord. And I know that sounds sometimes, it can sound utilitarian. I don't think it is. I think it's really this sense of entrusting and entrusting of, I mean, we do that with our own children. We don't know that their path. And sometimes you just have to say, Lord, I trust you. I, I, when they're young, you have a lot more control. 
when they're older, you relinquish that control. By the time they're out of your house, you completely relinquish that control. And what you do have is you pray, you give words of counsel, but that's about it, right? And then um, I think with, it, it's in every life stage, you're sort of, you're loving, but you're, you're just depending on the Lord for that he's the one sovereignly who's going to now take this parent or this child and lead them where he wills. And you, you trust the Lord in that. I don't know if there's much more that one can do. In fact, I feel like if I try to do too much, it can be negative. It can actually be, uh, have detrimental consequences. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, as you're talking slightly different, but you know, you can't be everything to everybody. And I know this is maybe a kind of weird verse to bring up, but you know, when Christ says, let the dead bury their own dead, just, and am I, uh, I, I, I believe my parents' desire is for me to walk with the Lord, to serve the Lord, whether it was in ministry or not. And so am I honoring even that? So even in, a, in that sense, not to say it's just about what they were wishing, but am I even honoring that? And that is my calling as a person creating the image of God. No, I see the flip side of that actually, where actually much more often where parents are not willing to relinquish their child, even an adult child to the Lord. And so they very much control, uh, usually through guilt and through some sort of, um, sometimes even manipulation, you know, to uh, get their child to be what they want them to be, to sometimes they see their child as their piggy bank Sometimes they see the, or their retirement plan, which, you know, there's a joke about that. Um, I remember hearing that quite often. Oh, you have three daughters. You're going to be well taken care of, you know, <laughs> three sons. <laughs> Some, you guys are both from three son families, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Sorry. I feel sorry for both of your parents. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we would get that. Oh, you have three daughters. You're really going to be well taken care of. It's very tempting to think that way, right? To think, okay, my children are there for me. And rather than just laying them before the Lord, like Hannah, you know, with Samuel, where ultimately you have to say, Lord, this child whom you have given to me, they're in your hands. And that's a really hard thing to do. But I just have to believe also that, you know, when scripture says that you cast your bread on the waters and it will come, I, I think whenever we hold on selfishly to something, at the end of the day, it's going to lead to bad things, misery, anxiety. But when you're willing to sacrifice and let go and give up unto the Lord, I, I think the Lord, it's not, he's not a miserly God where he's just going to punish you and make you feel miserable. I think he's going to pour out blessings on you and you're going to see your child thrive and I think be a blessing to you actually in a way you couldn't get if they literally were at your beck and call. What do you guys think? Yeah, it certainly is a challenge. Um, you know, I, I've been placed here. Part of it 
is to raise them, to direct them. And that comes with unfortunate baggage of my selfish motives are going to play into that. And whether it's financially based or for my pride's sake or living vicariously or whatever. Uh, but at the same time, you know, am I really trusting, you know, the sovereignty of God? And that if they walk with the Lord, these are children of the Lord. How much more is he going to take care of them? And I'm basically saying, no, my parenting is better than yours. And sure, it's not that, okay, you're 18, good luck, God bless, you know, call once in a while, which is what they do anyway, but um, <laughs> if they call. But yeah, it's, it's and, and trusting what, that that end result can you look in look like anything mm-hmm. you know is god limited to being glorified through our kids by having our kids live out the american dream is that it the the suburban lifestyle is is that really it um like if I think one of my kids is super talented in something, yeah, I can tell you what I think he or she should be doing. But God may be like, you, your child's going to live a very uncelebrated life. That's possible. Right. And God will still receive immense glory from that. And that person will experience the same gospel joy and peace yeah. of Christ. Uncelebrated is such a relative idea, and it's so limited by human understanding of what is you know, worthwhile and what is unworthwhile. It, it's a, a stark thing because I think we're so caught up with this idea that success is the way the world views it. And we, we talked about this um, where sometimes we have a career path. It's, uh, it has a certain, you know, we, maybe we went to a certain school and we, like, we think, okay, that should lead to a certain type of career. But sometimes the Lord changes that path. Sometimes um, we get laid off and suddenly we're no longer able to we don't get the opportunities to maintain a certain level of uh, whatever it might be, reputation or even financial um, value. And so we're, we have to take on a, a different type of job or career path that is, quote, beneath us. But what is beneath us, unquote? is not necessarily what is beneath the Lord. I mean, I think of someone like Joseph and where he, <laughs> he thought he was so great. And then the Lord takes many years to humble him. And I don't think it always means when uh, he does that, suddenly you're going to be prime minister of a country or something. Sometimes you stay there, but that doesn't mean that God is abandoning you. That's really the gospel, right? It's our righteousness is not in what we do for a living, our health, how much money we have, how many children we have, what, whether we're married or not. If it, it, it is the gospel that frees us from that. And if we don't have that, boy, it's, it's hard. When you're growing up, 
you know, elementary, high school, college, like the message that you get is a certain level of achievement, increase in skills and capability. But I think what one generation can teach the next generation is don't put your hope in that, put your hope in God. Mm -hmm. Even within our own little subculture here at Wellspring is, you know, we're trying to like raise the, the best students, the best with good skill sets. How do we counterbalance that over and over again? How do we do that? Mm. Like one generation teaching the next generation. Talk to uh, older people. <laughs> you know, I, in our gospel community, it's, I mean, at least half of the people are above 60, more than half. And some, a number over 70, many with chronic illnesses and conditions. Um, you know, when I hear all of them have lived relatively successful lives, had successful careers in the eyes of the world and the way that I think a lot of those who are younger are pursuing. But when I hear their stories about their careers, I actually don't hear much about their careers, actually. You know, it's sad when if you're 80 and all you're talking about is your career that you had, it just sounds like a bunch of stories, you know, like that that old person who basically is so um, so consumed with them, themselves. And if they're bragging and boasting about their career and they're 80 and when I was 50 years old, I did X, Y, and Z. And, but you, you look at them and they're you know, physically debilitated. There's just that disconnect. And you just think something's wrong with this person. When I listen to the stories of the people who are in our GC, I don't hear about careers. Some of them went to great schools, had great careers. But what I hear is their pursuit of Christ, their desire to have their family follow Christ, and how in the midst of the sorrows and challenges of life that they're looking to the Lord to end their days with him. And, and to glorify him. And that's what matters. That's actually what matters eternally. You know, <laughs> like all this stuff about education and career, really in our eternal life, it is but a blip. Yeah. It's like basically meaningless. What matters is what all these people who are in their 70s and 80s are thinking about right now. It's not their career. Yeah, family matters, but what matters is Christ. and. What we need to somehow, so to have, this is where intergenerational relationship is so powerful, is that you need to hear those stories. You need to seek out those stories. You need to seek out those relationships. It's not a bunch of mutterings of a bunch of cantankerous old people, but it's opportunities to, to listen to perspective. And that will actually help you when you're in the midst of the, the daily grind of life, which, you know, admittedly is taxing at those life stages. I do not want to undersell that because I think all three of us, at least we, you know, Fuji, you're still sort of going through it. So I have an 11 year old and nine year old. <laughs> yeah. It's not at its peak, but it's still, you're still parenting in a, in a different way with more energy. You need more energy. <laughs> I need more energy. <laughs> Meaning, if you have an 11 and 9-year-old, 
that takes more energy than parenting in a different way. I mean, it, yeah. we, it's a different type of parenting, but you need more physical energy. And, but it's, how do you get through that? I don't think it's going to be trying to will yourself to it. I think it's going to be seeing Christ. And the way you can see Christ is Hebrews 12, you know, the cl great cloud of witnesses um, that is before us. And part of that is we have that even here in our church. So maybe part of me is saying, hey, you know what? Invite people over who are of different life stage. Sometimes actually older people need to hear from college students and high school students because they need to remember, oh yeah, I shouldn't just focus on all my aches and pains. Sometimes you need to hear vibrancy because that actually, I know as, as Joe, you're working with, you know, uh, younger kids, keeps you young. You look young, by the way. Thank you. I think it's because you've been working with junior hires. If you didn't work with them before, junior hires, high it's schoolers. It's really the cream I use. No, I don't. Yeah, I really yeah. don't use yeah. anything. Come on, admit it. You do use it's cream. It's Kirkland soap. It, that's it. Yeah, but it's Kirkland soap. It's a plug for You Costco. mean on your head? That's all I use for decades. You have a very smooth skin. So Thank you. We're all shaking our heads. <laughs> you know, uh, okay, out of the three of us, I look way older than my age, and the two of you guys look way younger. Like, Fuji looks like he's in his 30s. I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, he acts I, like he's in his 80s, but dude, he looks like he's in his 30s. When I wake up in the morning, it's... You don't... You look young. It's painful. No, I, I, I know. So you physically are probably older than you are. Maybe you're, you're like 70, but you look like you're 30. No? You don't think so? No. Why? What do you think he looks Not his age? Not a day over 51. <laughs> I think he looks his age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he acts older. <laughs> That's the most honest answer. Oh. This is, I think, uh, tip of the iceberg in this topic. It really is. Yeah. Even uh, your uh, adjuration saying, you know, invite people over spend time with you know multiple generations yeah. i mean i think that's just the tip of the iceberg yeah you. you know i know this is i just wanted to say this is that when we were all did some sort of college ministry and you know how college students there's there's this false uh perception of what is maturity in other words if you're a senior you are so <laughs> much more mature than a sophomore right it, it's it's totally based, and I, I think in an artificial way, based it is very artificial. on class, on it's college. Bubble. It is the bubble. You're measuring your age within that yeah. bubble, and that bubble yeah. is small. Okay, this is for another day because it's going to just take too long. Linda had actually mentioned it, and I think maybe we could talk about it next time, is this idea of how did that bubble happen? And I think it happened way before college. And I think also... Too many people have bought into the world's way of viewing what it means to build friendship and relationship, which is you can only do that with people who are literally in your same life stage. So someone who's a single adult will come to our church and say, oh, I can't, I'm not going to come here because everyone's married, everyone's old. And I actually think that is a great disservice to them. And I think someone who is old might say, oh, everyone has a bunch of young kids and I can't relate to them. I'd love to tackle that topic because I think on the second part of intergenerational uh, relationship and ministry, 
comes the idea of how does the gospel infuse that and change that dynamic? And why do we limit ourselves based on what I think is sort of that college bubble mentality of, well, I can only relate to all the freshmen relate together, all the sophomores. And I don't know, that's been there. That's not just college. But that's I'm next already time. looking forward to the next session. But is this the last session before Christmas? Is this it? No. There is another one? There is another one. Oh, so we can't say Merry Christmas? We cannot. But we could say Merry Christmas Eve. Or have an awesome Advent because that's a longer yeah. season. Yes. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions, email us at gospelwell at wspring.org. 